there, listeners. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Amanda, here to drop a note at the beginning of the episode to, first of all, thank you for listening to us. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really does matter, and it really does help, especially in Apple Podcasts. And we also wanted to let you know, we say it at the end of this episode, but this episode was recorded on September 29th. We realize that it is election day when this comes out, so we are not in any way ignoring the severity of what's happening in the country. We just recorded this on September 29th. So, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and enjoy episode three. Sorry, let me take off my shameless hoodie so that you can see my shameless tank top, because I'm (laughs) a crazy person. No, I mean... Like, I understand everything you've been talking about, like, what these past, like, seven so years. I'm like, all right, I completely understand the obsession with Ian and Mickey and, like, everything. Like, they're the best, 100%. When I'm right, I'm right. Uh. <laughs> you know, you're right. You're right. Like, they're, they're definitely the best characters. On that note, I mean, why don't we get into the show, guys? Yeah, I'm into that. We need a fucking theme song, but until we get one, you just get my voice yelling at you. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome back to The Luck We Had, a shameless recap podcast. (laughs) Welcome back. I am one of your hosts. My name is Amanda. I'm Evan. I'm your second host. And today we have another special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm a very new time watcher of Shameless. <laughs> Maddie and I were roommates for a junior year in college, and we were in classes together all four years. We were the same major. We pretty much stuck to the group of eight people that we just all hung around all the time in film school. And uh, so, yes, yeah, she heard me relentlessly rant about Shameless, as did Asher, our guest in a previous season. And um, it turned him off from watching it completely, but she has just picked it up. So, wait, a- Asher, Asher's watched some, right? Yeah, but he will not commit to watching any more of it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, like, I think he watched the episode that we uh, recorded about, and then he, like, was like, I don't really know anything else. And I was like, I understand. So, oh, yeah, my God. Maddie, you said you watched an episode of season 10, and it convinced you to watch the show. So, what are your thoughts so far on the show? I'm obsessed. Absolutely yeah. obsessed. I'm on season eight. Like, <laughs> I have plowed through it because I do a lot of embroidery. So I'll just sit there for like eight hours and watch it. And um, I really, really like it. I'm honestly surprised how little episode there is in each season, but it makes it like that much better, I think, because they really like really fast-paced, the way they do it. It's kind of like Gilmore Girls, the way they just play fast. So, like, they just, like, propels you through multiple storylines, like, super, super quick. And I'm not surprised, but still shocked at how possible the show is. But I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I te- Maddie texted me that she's like, she's like, I'm obsessed with Shameless. I've gotten up to season six. And I was like, oh, you lost me there. You lost me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> six through I, nine are a black hole for me i do not see therefore i do not know <laughs> i was very surprised to hear that from you honestly and then like there was a few things that happened i know you said you didn't watch like eight at all i did not watch season eight at all i've seen one scene i've seen one scene from the first episode of season six i bet you know which scene it is i've seen a few scenes like maybe two full episodes from season <laughs> seven i bet you know which episodes they are um, nothing of season eight. I've seen a minute and a half of season nine, and I've watched all of season ten. 
gotta have seasoning. I don't know. Se- seasoning is what I'm on right now. So I'm just like, we gotta have the church of gay Jesus. Like, he's I, I, so I was kind of in the same boat with Amanda at the time. I stopped watching after season six because of like the whole Mickey thing. And then I was like, you know what? I missed the show. I want to know what's going on because I knew season 10 would have just come out. So at the very beginning of quarantine, I watched the whole series. And my brain was just like, uh... Well, I'm more <laughs> so, like, excited. I'm completely caught up now. So, like, I really liked season eight. As much as, like, it kind of made me mad, I really liked it because there's so many things happened. I'm more yeah, excited to get they're... to six, seven, and eight now because the Church of Gagey just comes up again in season 10 in, like, a way that made me happy. So I was like, okay, now I need to know. I need to go back and see. But I'll get there when the podcast gets there. I'm not in any rush. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you might as well just take your time at this point. Yeah. Although I am considering... took us, like, six months to do season one, so, like, you have plenty of time until we get to season eight. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen when they when season 11 starts airing. Like, I don't know if we should continue with the season that we're on, but also do an episode a week on season 11, or if we should just ignore what's happening and wait until we get there. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Like, do we yeah, want real-time good- reactions? Unless we go mode and try to do every season before season 11 comes out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I would die. Yeah. I, like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm considering, like, maybe one week, since we post every other week, one week can be, like, the season that we're on and one week can be season 11. Because, like, I don't know if I could contain myself from talking about it. Like, I feel like every yeah. recap episode would become talking about season 11. And I feel like we would compare it to, like, what we were watching, too. But then we're like, shit, spoilers. <laughs> Did you see they f- they built an exterior of Kevin V and the Gallagher house on a back lot in California? So they're officially not going to Chicago this year. No way. Yeah. It's the smart thing damn. to do. When you only need... When no, you- yeah, it's totally smart. But damn, I miss that Chicago skyline. <laughs> well, they yeah, probably... going to be different, for sure. They probably have a shitload of B-roll, at least, that they're going to use for, like, transitions and stuff between scenes. But, yeah, I, it's the smart thing to do, to not to not go to Chicago. But And I also, like, every picture that we've seen is, like, the whole family in one fucking, like, scene. Like, every time that they post. So it's like, oh my god, pandemic is forcing them to get back to their roots when everyone was in the same room all the time and all the storylines meant something to each other. Yeah, all the storylines branched off of each other, not everyone going through 15 different things alone. <laughs> I definitely don't like that aspect about the show now. I, I can see that. Like, everyone's very separate at the moment. Oh, I'm, at a, I'm at, like, a horrible part, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I understand. I, I know what happens in season eight. It's a, it's a lot. I knew enough to, like, jump into season 10 because I was keeping up on, like, Twitter and stuff. So I'm like, I'm aware what's happening. I don't need to watch it. But as soon as they brought my boy back, they had me, like, uh, hook, line, and sinker, man. Evan, are you good? Yeah, no, I dropped my phone charger behind my bed. <laughs> my phone's gonna die. I'm trying to use it so I can look at the notes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are we going to get into it? We're going to jump into the episode? Yeah. I don't yeah, know where I'm going to make that edit, it. but let's do it. Okay. We are on season two, episode three. I'll light a candle for you every day. January 22nd, 2012 is when it aired, uh, but it's still a summer season airing in January, which is always kind of nice. Written by our good and trusty Nancy Pimentel, 
and Latoya Morgan, the staff writer for season two. Uh, we've covered Nancy before. This is her fourth of 23 Shameless episodes she's written through 2019. She's also written for South Park and credited as a producer on 86 episodes of Shameless. So almost oh, all of them. Latoya Morgan, she's a staff writer on 12 episodes, I think just for season two. She wrote 15 mm -hmm. episodes of Parenthood. She was a producer and story editor on the show Turn, Washington Spies. She wrote four episodes of Into the Badlands and one episode of The Walking Dead. She's on every episode this season, so I don't know if I'm going to read her bio every time. <laughs> this episode is directed by Craig Zisk, um, and it kind of shows that, like, this is a person that has only directed one episode with some of the weird style choices that were made. Because uh, mm -hmm. this is his only shameless credit as a director, but he's a massive TV director. He did Just Shoot Me, Charmed, Grounded for Life, Alias, Scrubs, Weeds, Nurse Jackie, United States of Terror, The Big C, Smash, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec. Like, his IMDb is oh, fucking damn. endless. Yeah, he's got in his pocket. So we got, like, a heavy hitter director. We got standard writers for this episode. And the synopsis is Fiona reconnects with her married high school crush, but wonders if her moral compass is leading her astray. Frank is willing to do just about anything to stay in Dottie, a.k.a. Butterface's good graces, even marry her, and Debbie mm -hmm. becomes obsessed with death. <laughs> um, I don't watch on Netflix, um, so I don't know. Was there a previously on in this episode that I didn't see? Yeah, I, I put on there that it was, it was Fiona. Oh, okay. So it always pops up on mine. It was probably one of her basic ones, like probably her on the toilet, like it was last week or whatever. He's ironing. Nice. Ah. Uh, Frank and Fiona are the two standards. Every once in a while, we get a we get a wild card. I like it when V does the previously on. I feel mm -hmm. like Lip does too. He's like, "Oh, you didn't watch? I'm not gonna explain again." No, <laughs> do it, and he like argues with the TV, and I'm just like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> and later seasons, we get like three of them that are Mickey just telling you to go fuck yourself and flicking a cigarette. Um, I think my favorite. I think my favorite one. I think it's after season five when it's like everyone in the household it was like so what'd you miss last season on shameless and I it's like out. all of them yelling and he's like i came out he came out <laughs> i love that one That's oh yeah my that was the intro. opening to season five yeah oh oh good times can't wait to get to that one okay so fiona did the previously on and then we open on fiona and her high school crush craig heisner fucking like just super intense sex scene immediately and uh, she's very into it. And then he says something weird. Dead people poop themselves. And then we realize it's a sex dream. Fiona. Thanks, Fiona. Don't you love when you get interrupted by great dreams by your sibling telling you that dead people poop themselves sometimes? Because <laughs> Debbie wakes Fiona up with fun facts about that. And uh, so Debbie, in the end of the last episode, found out that Harry at the nursing home died. So Debbie is experiencing death for the first time in her life. So she's in a very emo death mood right now. Yeah. So Debbie is just ranting and ranting about death. And Fiona is ignoring her, texting the man she was just having the sex dream about. Because remember in the last episode, Jasmine found the guy on Facebook. So I guess he and Fiona have since connected and have each other's yeah um, i still yeah. don't like jasmine like the fact that she went out of her way and was like i'm gonna message him for you and fiona's like why why are you doing that i didn't ask for that <laughs> yeah she definitely oversteps a lot in their friendship which is what leads 
them ultimately, you know? Yeah. It's funny that the guy directed this directed episodes of Scrubs too, because I'm watching Scrubs right now, and Jasmine is on Scrubs as a character they call Tasty Coma Wife. Um, <laughs> she's just as freaky in Scrubs as she is in Shameless. <laughs> Good. But so Fiona's texting with Craig Heisner, and they set up a coffee date. This guy that is married, I don't know if she knows that yet, but like she sets up no, a coffee No, I don't date. think she knows until... They do the de- the deed in his minivan. <laughs> but yeah, they, they set up a coffee date. And then we cut over to Lip. He's meeting with that professor again, uh, the one that caught him taking the SATs for other people. And the professor's talking about how successful the USB of songs that Lip gave him so that he could bang hot grad students. <laughs> the professor's like, that got me laid. Good for you. Oh yes, my God. thank you. And he introduces Lip to a colonel, because Lip previously asked about, like, or, no, the guy's got a contract with the government to work on a project, and Lip is looking into West Point stuff for Ian. So Lip mm-hmm. gets introduced to this colonel, and Lip discusses, like, the summer gadget projects he's working on. And the guy's like, oh, cool, for what class? And the guy's like, oh, I don't, I don't go here. And colonel's like, what the fuck? Why are we talking? <laughs> And uh, so Lip, but Lip is asking about West Point for Ian. And the colonel says, if Lip works on his project with the professor over the summer, then he'll tell Lip all about West Point. Okay, do that. Do that, Lip. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And then we go over to Frank, because remember when Frank wants something from you, he's very helpful. He's doing Dottie's laundry while she supervises from the, from the living room. Dottie is an old friend of Frank's, just a recap. She's an old friend of Frank's who's currently dying of heart failure, waiting for a new heart. And Frank uh, is there to collect her pension. He's there to marry of her course. and collect her pension. As he as he sees someone dying, he like runs to them. What can I do? How can I get this money? Lena said last Hello. week this is one of the most underhanded things he does, and I agree. This is shitty. Yeah, it, it's really really scummy. I think that this was that's why this is such like a kind of cringy episode because like who want two of some of the worst things these people have done. I mean, they've done worse sometimes, but like. So Frank is asking Dottie questions about her pension. Like, oh, who gets it? It's a shame she can't collect it because she might die before she gets it. And he asks about the people she has in her life. And we find out that Kermit, our friend from the alibi, he's a friend of Dottie's. And he helps her out with chores around the house simply because he's a nice person. Simply because he's a nice person who's helping a handicapped individual, not Frank who wants to steal all of her money and her household. Yeah. But Frank only thinks in scams, so Frank hears that Kermit is sniffing around and is like, well, we need to stomp that shit out immediately, and he's just not a fan of Kermit right away. But you know what I'm a fan of? Fiona, in her bra, putting on eyeliner to get ready for her coffee date with Craig Heiser. (laughs) She's so excited. It's like when you, it's like the first date jitters. It's, and she's 21 years old. She's so cute and young and like excited for her high school crush. And while she's like putting on eyeliner, V walks into the house because who locks their doors, I guess. And No one, not in that household. And V offers Fiona a day of work at her mom's salon. And Fiona's like, yeah, I'll totally do that after, after my coffee date. And Fiona apparently does know Craig is married. She's like, I don't do married guys. This is just coffee with a friend. And V's like, okay, uh, so you don't do married guys, so I don't have to worry about you coming after Kev. And V says, <laughs> it's like her brother, it would be like making out with V. And V's like, 
You know you want to. <laughs> I love V so much. Who wouldn't want to? V's so hot. Oh, yeah. They're best friends. It's really cute. And V is, like, concerned that if Fiona doesn't want to marry, she doesn't want to hook up with a married guy. Why is she, like, getting all cute to meet him for coffee? And Fiona's like, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Anyway, how do I look? And V says, like me. And Fiona goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a best friend thing to do. You look like me. Ah, shit, I gotta change. Like, best friends. Yeah, uh, she ain't gonna go meet Craig the fucking outfit on. She knows it. But not, like, in her practices, but in the way, like, she dresses and everything. But I feel like maybe, like, Fiona was just like, oh, maybe a little too revealing for... <laughs> Let me. A little too revealing for coffee. I mean, like a see-through lace shirt with a purple bra underneath? That's a little too reveal. Interesting. And then we go over to a scene of our current president giving a campaign speech. Oh, wait, it's just an old racist with dementia yelling slurs out his window. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the Your segues are my favorite. <laughs> Such an easy mistake to make. Anyway, Donald Trump, I mean, so this easy. dementia patient um, gets pulled back from the window by Kev. Um, and Kev's like, hi, if you're going to yell slurs out the window, could you at least put pants on? Cause the guy isn't even wearing pants. And Kev gives him the receipts from the bar that the man forgets that he owns, that he lives above cause he's got dementia. And so we just see Kev is still taking care of this old racist that can barely remember what's happening. And it's just a quick little he's scene. He's so funny, but I hate this guy. <laughs> just all of Kevin, all of Kevin's scenes with this guy are so funny to me. Is that Jeff's the, just like, I don't know what to do either. Is that the first time we meet this guy? We met him last episode. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, when he found out, when he was like, my fucking bill went up, my electric bill went up, and Kev's like, oh, I grew a bunch of weed in oh, your basement. <laughs> I remember that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we go over to a cute little coffee shop where Fiona is being all cute and lip bitey and flirty while she and this Craig Heisner guy connect. And um, I think he's on one of those first responder shows, this actor, like Chicago Fire or Chicago Med. Yeah, or... yeah I think he. Very... I think he's the guy who used to date Lady Gaga. Oh, shit. Really? Think... Yeah, I think he's that guy because he was on one of those like firefighter shows i definitely could be wrong but i think that might be him i think it's chicago fire hold on i should have looked this up before but i don't care enough about that I show get the actor's name because we literally see him for one whole episode <laughs> taylor kinney well i should remember his name his last name is the same as the first gay character i fell in love with but taylor kinney from chicago fire is craig heisner on this episode of shameless so the man i guess loves chicago he just stays in chicago all the time <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and then we get some weird editing choices, uh, like flashes of their eyes and their mouths and, and like their hands yeah. while they're... Yeah. And it goes like black and white and the music gets like super loud. It was just, it was a really weird decision for them to do an editing choice like that. That's one like of the they're things... They're trying to like make it seem like both are like interested in each other, but like in such a weird way that was like it almost like it was forced because like they're just sitting in a coffee shop like it's not that much angst is happening between the two of them i think they decided to do that whole thing like post and then they just like zoomed in and cropped <laughs> let's just make it like yeah perfect is 
It's one of the things that, like, you can tell that this was, like, a first time and one and only director on this episode. Like, he he, he made some strange choices. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're flirting and it's very cute and Fiona is very feeling herself. And they reminisce about high school and then Fiona accidentally insults his wife because she was the bitchy cheerleader Fiona mm. always hated. He's like, oh, you mean my wife? She's like, oh, fuck. You mean the one I married or something like that? <laughs> But, like, he doesn't seem to disagree. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> and then yeah, we, well, he seemed he was ready. I mean, like, he's, I mean, like, he, he wouldn't be just casually going out to coffee with her if he was, like. In a happy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, of course he wants to fuck Fiona. Who doesn't want to fuck Fiona? Look at Fiona. And then we go over to the Gallagher house. Ian is doing pull-ups in the hallway and Carl is hitting his stomach. I'm trying not to get emotional about foreshadowing, but it's very cute. And then Lip comes in and tells Ian about uh, his meeting with the Colonel. And uh, Debbie interrupts them by just being fucking emo all over the place. Just like screaming emo lyrics to some song that doesn't exist uh, through the hallway. (laughs) I love her power. And Ian, like, puts himself down and beats himself up. It's like, I'm not going to get into West Point. I can't pass the practice test. I'm stupid. And, like, so far this episode has been cute best friend moments and cute brother moments and Fiona getting to be young and flirty. And if you ignore the Frank, mm-hmm. so far it's really cute. <laughs> I also ignore Frank and storylines. And speaking of the annoying storylines we're trying to ignore, we're at the alibi. Uh, we meet up with Kermit and Tommy. And um, sidebar, I was watching an episode of Just Shoot Me the other night, and Tommy was in it as a bartender with a full head of hair and an Irish accent. It was weird. What? That's so funny. I didn't like it. Like, it was him in a bar setting felt natural, but hair did not. It was weird. Is it a wig? No, it was just 20 years ago, so he probably just had hair. (laughs) Well, that'll do it. Uh, so Kev comes down uh, and talks with the other lady bartender about the alibi owner upstairs losing his shit and whether they should call the guy's daughter and have him put in a home. And Kev proposes that he and his co-worker buy the bar to keep them from losing their jobs. And so Stan, that's the racist name, if Stan goes away and the bar gets sold, then they might lose their jobs. She's like, I don't fucking care. They can sell the place. I'll go work at a TGI Fridays. I don't fucking care. <laughs> And then Frank comes in and he starts questioning Kermit about his relationship with Dottie and just being generally hostile to a man who hasn't done a damn thing to him except be nice to Dottie. And Kermit also took care of trash bags full of Frank's mail for, like, months. Like, Kermit has only been a friend to this guy. Kermit's only ever done anything nice for people. And so Frank insists, he insists Kermit is pulling the scam that Frank himself is pulling in order to get close to Dottie to get her pension accuses someone of doing the thing that you are doing. So he can get away with doing what he's trying to do. <laughs> um, and then we join Fiona. She's on the L back home, being all like she loved. She had a great time at coffee. She's feeling good. She finds a purse, like an expensive designer purse, on the floor and like pulls it toward herself. But before she like grabs it and pulls it up on the seat, she gets a phone call from Craig. And, like, the married guy who cannot stop flirting with this woman. But Fiona, Fiona's feeling a little self-destructive. She's still on the rebound from Steve. She's not doing great. And her high school crush is paying attention to her. So 
she's blinded by the fog of it, and she flirts with him on the phone, and then she gets off the phone, and an old man on the train tells her it's bad luck. His wife always told him it was bad luck to leave your purse on the ground. It's like throwing money away. And like, you're not, this is one of the lines that stuck with me for like a forever. I never put my bag on the ground when I'm in any form of public transportation. And if I do, I like weave the, like if it's my backpack, I like weave the straps through my legs so that it can't go anywhere. Yeah, I normally like balance it on top of my feet. Like a lot of the time when I'm like in New York and stuff and I'm on the subway, that shit stays in my lap or like on my legs. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, like it, it was just, I, I really like that scene, to be honest. Like, and then, um, because the guy was like so right and he kind of gets that little like wink, wink, take it. It's like, oh, bad idea. It's like throwing money away. And she's like, oh. She's like, she's like, oh my God, you are so right. Thank you so much. This is totally my bag and I can't wait to take it home with me. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of permission from the universe that she gets with that guy. Exactly, exactly. So she picks the bag up and she takes it and we cut to an all-you-can-eat buffet where the family is having Mm -hmm. some, some dinner. As they should. They deserve it. They do. They work so hard. So they're enjoying themselves. And uh, so Carl's having a fucking blast at this all-you-can-eat buffet. And, like, it's the whole family and Kevin V and Ethel and her son. Like, the whole, the gang's all here. Because when the Gallagher's do a blowout, they invite the family, which is Kevin V as well. We find out Lip can identify a real versus a knockoff designer bag, like, in, in seconds. He's like, no, that's, this is real. And it's because of the stitching and the spacing and the way that the L's look. I'm like, oh. Okay, Lip. Damn, Lip. You know your shit. And then over at the kitty table, Debbie is ranting about death with Ethel. And Ethel says she can't wait to die so she can be closer to God. Uh, <laughs> I love Ethel. That poor girl. Ethel is an character, for sure. I, I kind of miss her. I wish she stuck around longer. I agree. I always wished we had more time with Ethel. Because every time Ethel talked, it was like, wait, what? Can we take she a really few minutes? And then, honestly, she reminds me of uh, Kimmy Schmidt, so that's why I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> and then Lip says, uh, Fiona should call the purse woman and tell her she found the purse and see if the woman gives Fiona a reward. And then he dials the number and passes the phone off before Fiona can even fucking swallow her food because the woman's like phone <laughs> is in her purse. So he says, don't give the purse back unless the woman gives Fiona at least $200 because that's what they can get for the bag on eBay. We love a hustler. And then uh, Fiona tries to justify her meeting with Craig Heisner. She's like, see if I wasn't in the North Side meeting with Craig Heisner. I never would have found this purse. Oh, I did no wrong. She's justifying it to herself and to V. And V's like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And V's like, he's still married though, right? Yeah, just check it. And then we go to Sheila's house. Sheila only walks 200 steps away from the house. Where is Sheila? Sheila's yeah, where is she? Frank's the only one home, so he answers the door when Jody knocks. Because Jody! I love Jody. We learn that Karen works at a tanning salon, apparently, and Jody wants to marry her. Ugh, Jody. Jody, Jody, Jody. First of all, why is this girl working at a tanning salon in the middle of Chicago? <laughs> it's the summertime, girl. And, like, at this point, we've known Jody for three episodes, and. We she's maybe known him for a few months, and they weren't even really dating until like last week. We saw them. We saw them kiss 
for one whole second, and then every other interaction, Karen has spoken negatively of Jody. <laughs> they were in like, um, like Sex Addicts Anonymous. Yeah, so and like Karen's still in high school, and then Jody is like in his thirties too. So <laughs> right. <laughs> But like Jody is also a puppy dog, so like I don't, I'm not like mad at him, and yeah. I. <laughs> but he wants to marry yeah. Karen, and he pulls out the world's smallest diamond ring to show to Frank. Be like, look, I even got a ring, and Frank's immediately like, that ring sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's asking Frank for permission to marry Karen because Eddie is, as far as they know, missing. Yeah, I don't think they know he's dead yet. And then the next day at the Gallagher house, Carl starts fucking with Debbie and she threatens to stab him in the eye. You know, just sibling things. Yeah, casual. That's like probably the nicest thing I've heard the Gallaghers probably say to each other. So <laughs> Who among us hasn't threatened to stab one of our siblings? I mean, I gave my brother that's a scar above his eyebrow that's been there for his entire life. Uh, he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it. So Ian and Lip come into the house and tell Carl it's time for Carl to get a job and start pulling his weight around the house. And Carl's like, I help Debbie with the daycare. And Lip's like, eating all of the snacks is not helping at the daycare. And they teach him the ways of the squirrel fund in the Crisco can in the the house. This is the second time we've seen the squirrel fund mentioned this season. Fiona comes home with breakfast and groceries she bought with the purse money. And Fee even got a manicure to treat herself. Good for you, bitch. Like, I can't for her. like at at all for Fiona taking the money. Like I know it's like a moral thing, but it's like it's not even like she went and bought herself stupid like stupid stuff. She took her family out to eat and then bought groceries. Like this yeah. woman deserved it. Finders keepers. I'm with Frank when he says that later. Like Yeah, honestly, finders keepers. Like if you leave such a large purse on a train, like honestly at the end of the day, like you forgot it. <laughs> yeah. You have given up the right to have it at that point. Finder's fee. <laughs> I agree. And if you're rich, then you didn't, and you lost it, then you didn't need it. And if you're poor and you lost it, uh, why weren't you paying more? If that is all you have in the world, why aren't you paying more attention to it? And also, why do you have that much just in cash? Like, right? I get it. She said it was for her rent, but I'm like, girl, you were on the L with that much cash. Like, you were setting yourself up for disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. You're right. It's finders keepers. Not like she stole, like broke into her car and stole it. It was she left it on the L. Finders keepers. Bought groceries for her family, and she got herself a cute little manicure. And so Debbie comes in and starts rattling off death statistics. And Fiona says she she's gonna go meet the rich purse woman because the rich purse woman called Fiona back. So Fiona's gonna go give over the purse and hopefully get a reward. And then we go back over to Dottie's. Frank came over to paint Dottie's house, the thing that Kermit said he was going to do. And then he lies about Kermit not being able to do it because his herpes was acting up. And then he gives her, like, little, like, presents, like DVDs and snacks and stuff, and then casually proposes just, oh, by the way, marry me. It's like he went to the dollar store and then was like, also, will you marry me? Yeah. He just hands it to her without like saying anything. She's like, "What's this?" Like, no, oh, I just wanted in the pinball machine. <laughs> Dottie basically tells him he's crazy 
and she accuses him of trying to get her pension because Dottie knows what the fuck is going on here. She's yeah, relevant. Dottie probably knew from the get go what the fuck this bitch was doing. <laughs> and then he plays stupid. He turns on his little Frank charm and tries to justify her marrying him. He's like, think about it. If you die unmarried, no one's gonna get your pension, and it will all go to waste. If you give it to me, I will keep. If you marry me, I'll get your pension. I'll keep your memory alive. I will go to the church and I will light a candle for you every day. The title of the episode. And like he sweet talks her into it and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Fine. And she agrees to marry Frank Gallagher. Who is still, I think, legally married. I think he's still legally married. Yeah. And he's living with Sheila, too. Like, He's got many irons in the fire. And, like, this is a weird moment, because, like, I know he's a hustler, I know he's trying to get her pension, but, like, it also feels a little bit genuine. Like, it feels like Frank genuinely, like, does care for Dottie. He has known her for years, and, like, I sort of believe he might do one or two of these things he promised he would do. Uh, It's a weird, I don't know, William H. Macy's really good at that, like, Frank doing the sweet talking, but also, like, I I a little bit believe you. Like, just to, I see why someone would agree. But that's why he's such a good hustler. He's got a way with words. Like, the way he talks, like, honestly, he could, I don't know. He, prob- he could talk anyone doing anything. It's probably why Fiona is so attracted to Steve. She reminds him so, she reminds her so much of, uh, of her dad. Because Steve can sweet talk into doing anything. So can Frank. So, yeah, he agrees. And she agrees. And he puts the ring he stole from Jody that Jody bought to give to Karen. He puts it on Dottie's finger. And it doesn't fit. But it'll work. It's a thought that counts. (laughs) And then we join Fiona walking down the street of, like, I guess the north side of Chicago. Like, a wealthy Chicago neighborhood. She's texting Craig. And we get another weird, like, choice of the text bubble just up on the screen. Like, we're watching fucking Gossip Girl or something. Like, this literally never happens again. They always, like, show the phone instead normally. Yeah. Like, it's, we never, this is such a weird choice that we, like, see the text bubble on the screen. She and, she and Craig are sexting. That's what's happening. They're sexting. Fiona walks up to the brownstone and realizes that the woman lives on the bottom floor of the brownstone, not up in the nice part of the building. And she knocks on the door and the woman has a ton of screaming kids behind her. And Fiona's like, oh, she's in a nice neighborhood, but this woman is, like, a lot like me. Like, you could see that in her eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fiona, she always sympathizes with all the crazy kids. Anytime, like, there's someone with crazy kids, she's like, all right, I've been there. Yeah. I know the rep. I know the route. <laughs> yeah. So Fiona returns the purse, and the woman's like, oh, was there any cash in here? Fiona's like, nope. No, there wasn't. There wasn't any cash in there. Uh, and the girl's like, oh, I guess some lowlife on the train stole it. Like, well, you left it on the train. And now Fiona feels, you can see it in her face, Fiona feels fucking guilty. She's like, oh, I did not take this money from a rich person. I took this money from a woman who's trying to pay her rent with it. Fuck. Uh, Like, she feels bad about it. And she, like, leaves. And then uh, we join Ethel, Kevin, V at the ball house. Because Fiona also bought them food uh, that she dropped off at their house before she went to the north side. And then Kevin, V get into a discussion about Kev potentially buying the alibi room. He calls the bank the loan store, and I love this himbo. No, Kev is an ultimate saint. I love him. 
Ethel is in favor of Kev buying the bar so that he can keep the old man that runs it out of a home. And V pretends to agree because she doesn't actually think this is going to happen. And then at her mother's salon with Fiona, she's like, no, this is a stupid fucking idea. Why does he think buying the bar is a good idea? And Fiona insists, like, V is ranting about Kev buying the bar and Fiona is talking about the purse money. Just like, they're listening to each other, but they're both just talking about their thing. Like, in the conversation. I love that about their friendship. And they eventually circle back around and, like, finish each other's conversation. But, like, eventually. First, they're going to vent at each other for a while. Fiona insists she's going to pay the purse woman back. And V says, fuck no, the woman got what she deserved for being dumb. So, like, V and Frank are on the same page in this in this episode. That shit never happens. Fiona says she's got, like, a hundred or so dollars left over from it. And she picked up an extra shift at the club so she can work her ass off to earn back what she spent, which was $400. So she's going to earn $400 in one night? Out of just tips? Okay. Yeah, good luck, girl. And from that, we join Lip in a parking garage trying to read out. He made a thing that reads people's credit cards so that he can steal their information because he's a smart boy. Um, So smart. So he and and uh, Karen are in a parking garage, and he's testing out the credit card reader while a guy over in the yonder pays for his parking. They talk about Jody. They discuss Ian's training. We learn Jody is a tattoo artist, and uh, I wonder if he's the one that put whore on her forearm. I, <laughs> I feel like they, the Shameless writers, didn't think too in depth that he possibly could have been the one, but I don't think he was. Lip says he's thinking of getting a tattoo. And I think this is actually before Jeremy has his little triangle on his chest. So, mm-hmm. like, that could have, they could have been like, ha-ha? No. Uh, Lip says he's thinking of getting a tattoo of Karen. And she says maybe Ian will surprise him and get into West Point. She just ignores the I will get a tattoo of you. I'll just ignore How that. do you respond to someone being like, I'm going to get a tattoo of you? Like, no. Not- I would ignore it. And then we see Lip's device. Lip's device does, in fact, work. He got the guy's credit card numbers. And the guy's like, oh, the kiosk is free. You can use it. And he's like, the the guy goes, it's all yours. And Lip's like, yeah, yes, it is. At Dottie's, Frank is scooping up cat shit from the litter box. And he's like, this is huge. And Dottie's like, you know, sometimes I can't make it to the. (laughs) I love Dottie. Dottie's so funny. And he's using like a spoon. Honestly, that scene was shocking to me (laughs) and just like a metal spoon (laughs) i can't even frank seems to be grossed out about that poop joke but dotty's like i'm fucking kidding i don't shit in the litter box and then dotty gets in the shower frank's like okay cool while she is in the shower her pager that signals she is about to get a new heart goes off and he calls the number and finds out that Dottie is about to get a heart. And then he lies and says she's dead and doesn't need the heart. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? And he starts, like, fake crying. He's like, she's my wife. I'll miss her. And, like, hangs up. Frank. The money over her life. But, like, he just values... He truly, like, mi- like believes because he's a narcissist that, like, whenever he's doing something that's going to, like, get him money, he truly treats it like in his, his career. And he's getting yeah. his job. And he'll do whatever he needs to do. And he doesn't even see it as, like, bad things. He sees it as, I gotta get that paycheck. Yeah. He essentially he's- just killed this woman. 
He denied her yeah. heart. He he killed Dottie and she is blissfully unaware. She doesn't fucking know. She's just engaged and happy and in the shower. And we don't even get to rest on that for like a second after we see Frank deny her a heart before we join Kev at the alibi where he's filling out loan forms on which he has misspelled his own fucking name. <laughs> we love Kevin. Himbo. Himbo. And then V tries to gently talk Kev out of buying the bar. She's like, you know, it's a lot of upkeep. You know, it's a lot of hours. You know, I never see you at all. And Kev says he's trying to do some special events every week. He's trying to drum up the extra cash that he needs for a down payment. And V does not have the heart to tell him this shit is not going to work. Mm -mm. And then from this himbo to our other favorite himbo, we see Jody at the Jackson house searching for Karen's engagement ring, which Frank stole and gave to the woman whose heart he just stole. And Frank's like, you know, whenever I lose something, I just say a prayer to St. Anthony. I, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. And like, like I said before, I know Sheila's taking walks now, but she has not been in the house at any point in this episode. She is afraid. Yeah, where'd she go? Like, she's not just, she goes on 500 feet outside of the house walk. She's not walking eight miles a day. Where the fuck is this woman? Who do we see instead of the Jackson we want to see? That's right. We see Karen getting fucked by Lip in the top bunk <laughs> of his bed. And I hate this scene. Karen says they, they can't do this anymore because she thinks Jody is going to propose. And Lip just says, okay. And then they keep fucking. And, like, somewhere in there we learned that he was accidentally hitting it from the back. Um, and he was like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Karen's like, it's okay. I liked it. And I was like, ah! <laughs> Like, that, I was just like, nope, you ruined the moment. The moment's gone. Like, all right. <laughs> and, like, their relationship is fucked up. Speaking of fucked up, Frank is at the alibi. And Kev has to listen to Frank bitch about other people always asking for a handout. You know, Frank, the person who's always asking for a handout. He's trying to justify the fact that he just threw away Dottie's heart transplant. And Kev tries arguing with him, and Tommy asks why Kev even tries. And Kev's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't help myself. More Frank ranting, trying to justify his bad actions. Tommy chimes in with something vaguely racist that agrees with Frank's point. And then Frank says someone more deserving than Dottie would be a black woman. And uh, I quote, uh, those people get such a bad rap in life being two minorities. And Kev says, you know, I should call V and tell her that. <laughs> Frank says that only black women should get organ transplants anymore. Finally give them first crack at something in this life. And like Frank is so good at almost making good points. Like, obviously, other people should get organ transplants, but black women are generally, like, better than most people in a number of ways. Like, we've all acknowledged that at this point. <laughs> so I don't, like, disagree, but, like, you say a lot it different. Of he has a lot of good opinions, but he only really, like, uses them to justify his bad ones. Yep, exactly. And then over to the Gallagher house the next day, Fiona takes some money from the squirrel fund to help make up for the money she stole from the purse lady. Uh, which she it's like 50 bucks or whatever she's taking she made so that means she made $400 in tips in one night like I think Fiona just like went and worked at a strip club for a night to like ha she, there's no way she made that in tips at a club that's not happening mm -mm. that much fucking money unless Jasmine just had two new grandpas that came in and tipped her 
Oh, yeah. I forgot that she brings all those high rollers in. That's probably how she got it then. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. So Frank comes in, as Fiona says, she's returning the money, and she goes on a rant about no good- Oh, Frank goes on a rant about no good deed going unpunished while he steals their beer. He says he's getting married today, and Fiona points out that he, in fact, is already married to Monica. (laughs) Fiona tells the kids not to listen to Frank, that she did the wrong thing, and now she's gonna go do the right thing. On her way out, uh, after giving her speech about morals- Craig Heisner, the married man she's been flirting with, calls her, tries to get her to meet up, and she feels temptation, but she turns him down. She's still on her moral. She's like, no, you know what? Sorry, can't meet up with you. And then we go to the ball house. We see Kev. He's prepping for his theme night. It's like a Hawaiian theme night with his little shirts. And he has so it. many. He has so many little party favors, and like man's like went to party city and had a night. <laughs> He proposes all these ways to make up the money to put the down payment on the bar. And V finally snaps and says buying the bar is a bad idea. And he asks if she thinks he's stupid. And they get into a fight, uh, which Kev kind of storms out of. Because, like, yeah, she a little bit does, but she loves you. Frank bursts into Dottie's house to pick her up for their wedding down at City Hall. But Dottie was watching the news. Dottie found out about the car accident last night and the B-positive heart she missed out on. She's smoking. She's ready to die. Frankie she knew that was her one way out and it, she lost it. Yeah, she knows she won't make it to the next one's available. Frank- I'm not sure if they actively said how long she's been waiting for this said, like, implant, a transplant or whatever, but you have to assume it's been a while and she knows that she's at the end of her route. <laughs> Frankie was trying to get her out the door to get married before she fucking dies because he knows she's going to. And she says the odds of her getting another heart are not good. And she's ready to die. She knew Frank was playing her the whole time, but she enjoyed it. She's like, you, I know you were playing me, but you kept me company in my last days. And I appreciate that. Like, she's seeing the silver lining. I mean, not not that he deserved the money, but like, if someone's going to come around like, yes, I'll clean and cook and do all this and all your errands, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, but then when they steal your heart, that's another thing. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> um, but she tells him, she's like, I'm already, I already put in writing that, that the house is going to a charity. Everything else is going to my daughter. And then she's like, I'll give you $2,000 if you have sex with me right now and kill me. And he's like, uh, uh 3000 <laughs> Like, he barters with her. And she's like, you can have $2,000 in the flat screen TV. And he says, yes. And then they hold hands and go off to the bedroom <sighs> to to have sex until she dies. I I don't like Bill Macy. I don't like watching Bill Macy have intercourse. I'll he, say it. I don't like looking at his little pasty butt. I don't like looking at his skinny, scrawny legs. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm good. It's so weird because, like, I know he has so many kids, but, like, I perceive him as, like, asexual for some reason. Like, he doesn't really, I don't know. Like, I don't know how anyone would be attracted to him or want him in their presence. Like, I don't think Frank wants to be in a presence. Like, ew. <laughs> is disgusting. And every time someone has sex with him, I think about how bad he must smell. Uh, yeah, you're no. so right. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, we, we get a Frank sex scene no one asked for and no one wants. And it ends with her dying. She's just lying there. Dead. Like on her back, boobs out, 
dead out like a light and frank checks her pulse and then calls 911 he's like oops and then he scurries out of there yeah he at least does seem upset like the loss does seem to hit him like a like a, a little did it a little doubt da- but he like she asked him to but like it was a little dash yeah. of like human in him you see him like upset about it and he closes her eyes and then he leaves with the two thousand dollars and the flat screen like he's taking his winnings with him <laughs> He's like, I'm so sorry, but actually, let me take my goods. He'll do anything bag. And then he grabbed his bag and he said, gotta go. <laughs> and then we join Fiona back in the nice neighborhood. Uh, she tries to be nice and return the woman's money. But before she can, she's like, oh, I feel super bad that somebody stole your money. You told me how much it was. I, I like, I made, I got money for you. The woman confronts Fiona about taking the money and calls Fiona a skanky ghetto trash hood girl. And they get into a screen mm. match. Fiona's like, I, yeah, okay, maybe even if I did steal your money, here it is. Here. Fuck, like, why are you yelling I, at me? I really hate this part because, like, ultimately, like, even if she did, like, take what she did, she's giving you the money back. Shut up. Like, shut yeah, up. Yeah, the bitch literally complained to her. Like, she was like, that's my rent. Like, blah, blah, blah. And Fiona was like, shit, okay, let me help her out. I actually made a mistake. And, like, Fiona's trying to fix the mistake. And the bitch is like, well, fuck you. Okay, then you don't want the money. Then, you know, you ain't going to get it, honey. You just burned your bridge. You are six feet under my money now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fiona's like, Fiona's like, you are not any less trash than me just because you live in a nicer neighborhood. Like, we're the fucking same, dude. Mm. They get into a screaming match. Fiona says, fuck it. You were stupid enough to leave your purse on the L. I'm keeping my, I'm keeping my fucking money. Fuck you. Fuck you. I love how they're still screaming at each other as Fiona's, like, walking down the street. <laughs> So they do a good job at like making things seem like so like accurate with that. Mm-hmm. So Fiona isn't she's in a fucking mood on the L. She's in a mood. She she was she was gonna go do a good thing and now she's pissed off. And so she makes a bad decision and she calls Craig Heisner. But before we see what's happening there, V comes into the Gallagher house looking for Fee and finds Debbie holding a mirror up to Liam's sleeping face <laughs> to make sure he's still breathing. And V confronts her. She's like, hi, that's weird. Um, What you're doing is weird. And Debbie says that until Harry, she didn't know that people that she knew could die. And, oh, right, Debbie's only 10. This is a child. Yeah. And V tells Debbie there are way too many things in the world to worry about, that she does not need to obsess over her entire family dying. Because that's what Debbie's obsessed over. She's like, if he can die, then Fiona can die, and Lip can die, and Ian can die, and then I'll be all alone. Like, I often forget that V serves as another mother or big sister figure to the small Gallagher kids. And, like, this was a nice mm-hmm. little reminder scene of that. Yeah, because Debbie's obviously going through it. And, like, V's just that comforting other character that you know that will have, like, the support from. And then we're over at the high school track where uh, it closed out episode one. Fiona, like, regaining herself and doing that run, uh, that five-minute mile. So she's at the high school track to meet up with Craig Heisner. And they're like, oh, well, I thought if we ever got together in high school, we should we should get together in high school. And like, it's cute in theory, but you're still married. Yeah. And she and he's like, well, I wasn't married in high school. Fiona's going through it. That doesn't justify it. (laughs) You're married now, dude. But Fiona's going through it and she's getting some positive male attention. So, um. Busting scene ever. I hate this scene so much. 
it's so gross. I look away. I truly was like, oh no, because I it it's so like I don't know realistic, but like gross and all that. Like I really felt like I was there, and I was just absolutely repulsed. Yeah, like it's it was too realistic, but then too. too fake at the same time that it just made me even more like invert on myself yeah this is <laughs> this is not the hot sex scene she was dreaming about at the beginning of this episode this is cheerios oh, yeah. on her hands bananas stuck to her ass in the back of his she's like in a car seat she he's like fucking her in a car seat there's shit all over the floor there's cheetos on her thighs there's a banana under her like and then don't even get me started on these sounds Craig is making. Man's is like <laughs> he's just like he doesn't he like start crying? Yeah, yes he does. <laughs> Probably oh, the Craig. situation you would ever want to be in. And not at all was she I mean, I, I like you said that about the beginnings. I, I honestly forgot about the beginning scene again. It's like a parallel of how different her like expectations versus reality of the situation was. Because mm-hmm. like she has like this whole like mentality of like hot popular Craig Heisman from high school. He must be like sex on a stick. And then she finally gets to what she's been thinking about. And she's like, oh, ew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like Fiona's face the entire time, she's not having it. She's just like looking around. She's just like, nope, <laughs> nope, no. Oh, she's looking for an escape. She's like, where's the door? <laughs> it's it's gross. It's so fucking gross. It's so gross. Uh, and then we go to the alibi where Kev's theme party is in full swing, but no one is there. And Kev's like, V shows up, and Kev's like, please don't fucking do. I told you so. But V's like, no, I'm actually, I want to support you. And um, they fight a little bit more, but then V agrees to try and buy the bar when Stan is ready to sell it. And they like, they make up because they're cute and they're married. Mm-hmm. And I love them. Because they're an actual couple in the show that can have a conversation together about their problems. <laughs> the couple in this show. Oh, you mean it's possible for a couple to have a relationship problem and not solve it by by hitting each other? That's a possible thing? That by beating are, the shit out of each other? <laughs> these writers are capable of doing that? Like a positive, loving relationship? Interesting. But only the heterosexuals? Interesting. Okay. Okay. Can you tell I'm bitter? I'm a little bitter. Um, mm. <laughs> but V and Kev are very cute. And then Frank walks in, very sad, with the flat screen on like a in like a wheelbarrow. He's been crying, and he needs a drink. Uh, and then Karen and Jody are over at another table. Frank just throws the ring at them, because I guess he took the ring off Dottie and threw it, throws it to Jody, and Jody doesn't even have to ask. Karen just says yes and kisses him and puts the ring on. <laughs> and then, and Jody is so stupid, too. He's like, St. Anthony, no, this man stole your ring. Yeah, no. Yeah, this man took your shit. So oblivious. <laughs> oh, I love him. Um, Debbie and Frank, Debbie is sitting at the bar because she came in with V. They have a cute little moment about death. And then Debbie holds his hand and it's actually kind of sweet. I I love Debbie so much because she's that one person that like, even though Frank's an asshole and like, we'll have a whole episode of Frank being a complete dick. And then you just have that one moment with like, before Debbie has a mind and she's still child mode, and she's just, like, so sweet and so caring to Frank, and I'm just like, 
stop. I'm like, please, no, you deserve so much better. She's the only one who will like, you know, wait, wait for him outside when he's yeah. Like, I, I think it's like what isn't it like the beginning of season three where Frank disappears and then like Debbie makes that like whole like chain of days Frank's been missing on like the fence or whatever. Yeah, the like girl cares about him so much, and I'm just like, oh, honey, <laughs> daddy issues, all. And then mm-hmm. from sweet this sweet moment to a sad moment, Fiona is on the trade ride home from her disappointing, terrible fucking hookup. And then she picks up her phone and calls a number and we cut to an awful green screen. Just truly terrible. Oh, looks so bad. Fucking it's abysmal. so bad. Of Jimmy Steve in a beach-like setting, shirtless. He's like on a balcony or something, right? And this is like an orange spray tan. Yeah. And they have like a, hey, how are you conversation. Just like, hi, how are you doing? Like a nothing conversation. And then they hang up, and we zoom out to a woman on her knees giving Steve a blowjob. Wow, thanks, Jimmy Steve. Classy. Cut to credits. And then the after credit scene, Frank is walking into a church. Yeah, that same church we see in season four with that shot. That church. Evan, you know what I'm talking about. That that fucking church. I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's so good. I like that church. So Frank walks into a church. He walks up to the candle display and lights a candle for Dottie and has a little moment. And then he steals the donation box. (laughs) And then he leaves. And the song that plays us out in the credits is called Mischief Night by the Young Werewolves. I love all the end credit songs. Yeah, there it's. Shameless has a really great soundtrack, but uh, but yeah, that's the episode. We did it. We that's we did it. That's episode three. Madison, how did, how how do you enjoy this episode? What are your feelings on it? This was um like I said earlier, like very very problematic but classic Shameless. I mm-hmm. mean, it it definitely has, especially with what Fiona has in the, in the next episode. Oh, you're gonna see some serious consequences. Mm-hmm. Actions. But it's a good one. It's it's it's. What about you, Evan? What did you think? I like this episode. I we didn't get like any Ian in this episode. First of all, so disappointed. <laughs> but I really liked it. I feel like it. Uh, it this one of these episodes, like from the previous two episodes, it seems like they were just getting a feel on what the season was going to be. But then this episode really starts setting up season two in a sense so we're getting more details and we're getting more storylines that we're gonna progress through and i really enjoyed it as much as i fucking hate frank like this episode was like it was really interesting and i did enjoy it even though frank has all of his malicious tendencies but it's not like it's the last or the first time we're gonna see him do something like this in this show yeah and like as much as i'm like in ian and mickey stan and i want like ian and mickey episodes all the time like, a mostly Fiona-based episode with, like, a side serving of Frank and Kev is, like, it's a, it's an interesting mix that we don't normally get, like... This episode seemed really balanced. Like, it didn't seem like it was too much or too little. It was just, like... And it also didn't seem too fast. Like, it was just, you got a little bit, and, like, with each scene you had, like, you were, you were still fulfilled. Like, it wasn't, like, what is happening now? It's just kind of, like, it was just going with the flow, which I really enjoyed, instead of it just being really jumpy, like I've noticed in... A lot in season one, it seems very jumpy. But this one, I think they actually understand their show now. So they're, like, actually vibing. (laughs) And they understand who they are outside of just being a remake of the UK version. Because season one is just, like, all of the UK version season one. And season two is like, wait, we're going to do what we want to do. 
you know, it's funny. It's like, I didn't even know that there, there was a UK version until like two or three days ago. And then I was talking to someone about it who had watched it and they were saying, yeah, that it is a carbon copy. Pretty much, pretty much exactly. It's the whole first season. is pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. But I didn't, how, how long did the, the UK show go on? Like three seasons, three or four, maybe. And yeah. And it's, First. Yeah, so it's still by the producers of the UK version is the one main producer on the US version. So it's oh, not like God. someone from Showtime was just like, let's do this. It was like, no, the guy came on for the show as well. Yeah, Paul Abbott, uh, he wrote the pilot, the first episode and the season finale with John Wells of season one of this version. And then he's usually on the pilot of like every other season. Uh, but yeah, so he's still like involved, but it's very much John Wells's show now. So season two is where things really start to differ with the two. Yeah, yeah so that's when it, Shameless U.S. becomes its own show. Ah, I see, I see. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I agree. This is when season two starts to find its uh, footing. Uh, like, season two has not always been one of my favorites because, like, there's very little Mickey. There's very little Mickey in season two. Um, <laughs> uh, it makes me sad. But... There's some great Fiona in season two. Fiona gets to gets to work in season two, and I like it a lot. And and fucking Lip. Lip gets some some heavy hitter stuff in season two. Oh and, yeah, he does. And Jody, oh. I truly Jody with and in the absence of Nikki, we get Jody, and that makes me happy. He's a good mm-hmm. man. And like we said, we like we said, uh, like we think Karen is still like we think she's a senior in high school. We're pretty sure at this point she's eighteen years old. And yes, Jody is 30, and that age gap kind of sucks, but it's not, like, illegal. He's not a pedophile, like um, yeah. Cash, who thankfully we will never see again. <laughs> I hate Karen. I think she's one of my least favorite characters in this whole show. That's I valid. have a love-hate relationship with her. I hate her so much, but then I almost... But I think I hate her to the point where I'm just, like, I feel for her so goddamn bad. I'm just like, this girl wasn't given the best, so, like, of course it's not going to be the best. We oscillate with her. We hate her for the way she treats Lip, but then she's, like, nice to her mom, and her dad treated her like shit, and we're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, it... But yeah, um... That was the episode, and we were so happy to have you on, Maddie. I'm yes, so... thank you so much for joining us. Dude, when you texted me and said that you started watching the show, I was like, yes! <laughs> Success! Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited to get to where I was in season 10, just because I need all the jail scenes, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, we'll, we'll get to that bridge when we cross it. Right now, I gotta deal with Debbie's toes. Oh, God. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> they i guarantee you in season 11 they forget that she only has two toes they i guarantee it i guarantee it oh especially because she's the new fiona and she like wears all the heels and everything and yeah yeah but they gonna put a foot on her no no <laughs> uh, yeah um but so yeah maddie uh if people want to find you on social media where will they find you because i know your instagrams are always popping yeah, I have multiple different Instagrams, but like my photography one is at Indy Madison, and then I have another one for my embroidery that's Reds by Lemon. Awesome. And we will put them in the show notes. Um, Evan, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at I Wanna Die 4000. And then I don't really use Twitter as much, but uh, you can follow me there on Internet Life You. Oh, yeah, I do have a Twitter too. Same username, Indy Madison. Nice. And Amanda, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at, at AbnormalAmanda18, uh, at AbnormalAmanda on Twitter, 
Uh, you can find the show at Luck We Had Pod on Instagram, at Luck We Had Pod on Twitter. You can email us, luckwehadpod at gmail.com. The link to our website and all the places you can stream us is on is in the bio of our Instagram and our Twitter. Uh, yes. I just submitted us to like 17 more podcast streaming services to get us on as many as possible. <laughs> For context, the date we're recording this is September 29th. This will probably get released in late October, early November. Um, but yeah, that's all the places that you can find us. And yes, people have been asking if they can read my 25-page dissertation that I wrote about Mickey Milkovich. I have made the Google Doc link shareable. I've given the link to Evan. And when Starbucks stops eating him alive, we will get that posted on our website. Um, Your power. But anyway, let's get out of this. So yeah, Luck We Had Pod at Instagram and Twitter and luckwehadpod at gmail.com. You can email us. And uh, yeah, I'll post some clips on on, uh, TikTok at AbnormalAmanda if you want me to. Um, 10,000 people watched a video I made about behind the scenes on Shameless and like, (laughs) what? Don't perceive me. But listen to this, please. TikTok is whack. Oh, and we're on YouTube. Get out. The Luck We Had podcast on YouTube. But let's get out of this. All right, that was episode three. Thank you so much for joining us, Maddie. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.